welcome to the Access Church Podcast. identity and understanding why the enemy attacks our identity and ultimately the reason he attacks our identity is to rob us of our authority right a rob us of our authority now we, we we talked a lot about last week we were talking about how we all have that inner struggle between how God sees us and how God created us and and how others see us and, and oftentimes how others how others see us is 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 it shapes how we see ourselves right how others see us often shapes how we see ourselves and so the enemy understands that if he can if he can attack our identity or, or weaken our identity then he can strip us of our authority so we have this this constant battle in our mind of what god says we are and who god says we are and what the enemy and what the world ultimately you know thinks that we are and and so we're we're in this 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 constant battle between uh, you know the the forces of good which is all that God is the kingdom of heaven and the forces of evil which is the kingdom of darkness now there there's this constant battle and we're kind of stuck in in the middle between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of of darkness and now there, there's something that you need to understand that these kingdoms are very legalistic. They are very legalistic, and that's why it is so important for you to not only be versed and, 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 and well-read in the Christian tradition, but within Christian doctrine and Christian theology. And unfortunately, a lot of us who grew up in church, we were, we were very well aware of, of Christian tradition, right? We, we knew the do's and don'ts, and oftentimes when people would ask us what makes us Christians or what makes us believers, we would start with the least list of things that, that we weren't supposed to do. Like, well, we don't do this and we don't do that and we don't. But being a, a Christian is much more than, than the do's and don'ts. It's much more than that. In fact, just the other day on, on Facebook, I, I came across a well-meaning Christian that put this, this infographic that says, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, right? And, and, and to me, it was so sad and it broke my heart because that's what religion has relegated us to is just this sinner that is saved by grace. But I know that you guys know that we are much more than that, right? And, and, and if you haven't, it's because then you haven't been listening to these messages because we are so much more. And, and if the enemy can just relegate us to being a sinner saved by grace, right, then, then we, 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 we aren't fully participating and taking part in all that God has for us because we are more. Yes, we were sinners. Yes, we were saved by grace. But that, that process of salvation was nothing more to restore us to our rightful place and our rightful position as sons and daughters of the king, as kings and priests, as rulers, and as kingdom citizens with all the rights and benefits and the privileges that, that, that are, are implied or and applied you know, thereof. 
And just like the Constitution delineates our rights and privileges as, as, as citizens of the United States, so the Word of God, which is the Constitution of the government of heaven here on the earth, it delineates all of our rights and privileges as, as kingdom sons and, 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 and daughters. So it's so important that we understand that. Why? Because once again, the, the spiritual realm and, and these, these spiritual forces that are at odds and at battle, is, are, they're very legalistic. It's, you, you have to know without a doubt. And, and so today we've been, talking, uh, uh, we've been talking about identity and how identity leads to authority. And today I want to talk to you from the title of when his power meets my authority, right? So, so we're coming to the culmination of, of, of this teaching. And, and I feel like John Wesley, the, the great revivalist and reformer, had a greater understanding of, of who we are as, as believers and, and the authority that you and I have. And this is what he said. He said, it seems without God, man cannot, and without man, God will not, right? And that is, that is a very clear truth. There is nothing good on this earth that we could ever do outside of God's grace, outside of, of God's strength, outside of, uh, of God's anointing. And, and so he is absolutely correct. He says, without God, man cannot. But then he says this, without man, God will not. So what he essentially is saying that on earth, man cannot do anything without God, right? And, and we, I, I think we all come into a, an agreement with that. But he also says that God will not do anything without man. And, and so here, here's what, what is important for you to understand. That in order for God to do anything on the earth, to uh, affect his will, affect his plans and his purpose and his, his blessings on the earth, there has to be a collaboration. There has to be a, a convergence, a, a partnership between heaven and, and earth so that God can do that, right? So there has to be a, a partnership. There has to be a, a collaboration on earth. So what that essentially means that whatever happens or whatever does not happen, it depends on us. It depends on us. And I know you're, you're just, just stick with me for a few moments. I'm going to explain what, what I'm trying to say. So in order for God to do something on the earth, he needs the collaboration and the cooperation with man. And you're going to understand why, why that is, is, is so important, right? You're going to understand why, why that is, is because the, God has given us authority here on, on the earth. So um, when we look at the earth realm, right, the earth realm that God created, you and I, as human beings, we are the most powerful creatures on the earth. God only gave humans legal authority on the earth. God only gave man legal authority here on the earth. So, so let's ask the question, what is a human, right? A human is not some evolutionary creature that came from an ape or a monkey. I know some of you look like monkeys, but just kidding. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you're awake. But we did not come from, we did not come, like, Pastor, look at you, you're all hairy, right? Uh, so, uh, 
but humans are the most powerful creatures. So it's important that you understand every miracle that God has done on the earth could only happen through the, the, the partnership and the collaboration with man. For instance, uh, when, when the, Israelite, the Israelites came out of Egypt after being in slavery, right? They're in the desert. They're standing there. They have the Egyptian army behind them. And now they're standing at the Red Sea, right? And, and so, so God has a plan. God says, I'm, I want to open up the Red Sea. But he goes to Moses, says, Moses, this is what I want to do. But in order for me to do it, I, I need you. I, I, I need your help. So what I want you to do is I want you to go before the Red Sea and that staff that I put in your hand, I want you to raise it above your head. And when you do that as an act of obedience, you are going to allow me do what I want to do. And so the Bible says that Moses stood in front of the Red Sea. He lifted up the, the rod that he had, the staff that he had. And what happened? God opened up the Red Sea. He opened up and now the people could pass. Fast forward. They're still in, in the desert. Now now they're thirsty. And Moses like, God, we're, we're in this desert. There's no water. The people are thirsty. He says, God says, okay, I have a plan. I want to take water out of a rock. But I can't do it unless you partner up with me. So he says, I want you to go and take that same rod and take that same staff and I want you to hit the rock. And when you hit the rock, then I will pour water out of it. I will bring water out of the rock, right? So what happened? Moses, he went and he hit the rock and what happened? Water came up out of the rock. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think God, God could not have brought water out of the rock without Moses' cooperation? Well, yeah, he created everything, right? Right? He didn't. So the question is, well, why does he need the cooperation of man? And we're going to get that. So, so humans, right, have the legal authority here on the earth. So what is a human, right? A human is a spirit being in a dirt body. That is what a human is. In fact, if you if you have not been here on Thursday to hear Pastor JC's teaching, man, you are missing out because you've got to understand that you as a human, what what makes you you is not your body, it's not your mind, it's not your soul. What makes you you is your spirit, the spirit that God created. That's what makes you you. So when this flesh body dies, do you know that you don't die, you continue to live. Why? Because you are not your body you are your spirit so you as a human being you are a spirit you don't have a spirit you are a spirit right so you are a spirit that lives within the confines of a human body so we, we know that when, when God said in Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our own image and likeness, right? He, he, he formed man, right? He formed man. He created mankind. He created the, the species that is man. But it wasn't until Genesis chapter 3 that he formed Adam and then he formed Eve. So in Genesis 1, he created the spirit being, which is, which essentially would be man, but it wasn't until Genesis chapter, and I know you said, Pastor, I didn't never heard this in Sunday school, right? But you, you've heard it wrong, and that's why you're here at Access Church, so now you can hear it the right way. Amen? So, so 
this is what a, a human is. So, so he created the spirit, but then in Genesis chapter three, the Bible says that God fashioned Adam's body from, from the dirt, right? That is why when we die, what happens to our body? It goes back to the dirt, right? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? It goes back to where it, it came from. So when we look at a human, right? We look at a human. A human is nothing more than a spirit being within a dirt body. In fact, the word humus is the word for dirt. Humus. Say it with me, humus. Why? I don't know. It just sounds, I like pastors say, say it with me. It makes it sound more intellectual, right? Like you're learning something. So humus is the word for dirt, right? So man is a spirit being. So the Hebrew word for man is ish. When you look at Genesis chapter 1 and you see the word man, it's the word ish, I-S-H. But when you go to chapter 3, it has a different word because that's when he actually, he actually molded Adam, right? And then Adam and Eve. So when you look at ish, he's talking about the, the, the creation of the, 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 the species of what man would be or what mankind would be, right? So he said, let us create man in our own image and likeness. He said, let us create ish. That is the, the spirit being. That is the spirit being. So man is a spirit and his body is humus, which is dirt, right? His dirt. So then God took the man the spirit, the ish, and put him in a humus body. Therefore, we have now become known as humus man, right? And in fact, the word human comes from the words humus man, dirt man. So what is a human? A human is a, a mystery, right? It is a, a spirit being in a humus body, in a dirt body. Are you with me? Follow me. We're going to go somewhere. I, I, I guarantee you, right? So it is a spirit being within a dirt body, the confines. In fact, the, the Bible says that when God created everything, right, for the, for the first five days, he created everything. The Bible said that he looked at everything he created. He looked at the sea, the sky, the fish, the birds, the animals, all the trees. The Bible says that when he looked at all of that, he stood back and he said, that's good. But then on the sixth day when he created Ish and he created man, the Bible says that he stood back on that day and he said, oh man, I done real good, right? Uh, he said it was very good. So, so God was actually patting himself on the back. So you've got to understand that at that moment, the enemy, the devil who had already been in contention with God and striving with God for, for his rightful place, he did not understand what God was doing. When, when God created man, he looked back and he said, oh man, this is very good. That's why the enemy is always attacking your identity. That's why the enemy from the very beginning was trying to infect you with inadequacy to help you think that you weren't a good mother, you weren't a good father, you weren't a good husband, you aren't a good wife, you're not a good son or daughter. He's attacking you at every point. Why? Because he knows that when God made you, he stood back and said, oh, this is very good I mean can you imagine for God to admire something right for God to admire what he created for him to look back and say oh this is this is very good and at that point the enemy didn't understand what God was doing but how many of you know that God had a plan 
So when we look at a human, the human is a spirit being in a human body. A human is a combination of, of spirit and, and human's body. So when God created the human race, he put the spirit being into a dirt body. Then God said to the human, he said, you will have dominion over the earth. We've read it over and over throughout this series. Genesis 1.26, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. He said, let them have dominion. Who is them? Humans. What is a human? A spirit being in a dirt body. So the only being that has a legal right on the earth to function and the only being that has been given a legal right by God to have dominion and to rule on this earth is a spirit being in a dirt body. So any spirit without a dirt body is illegal on the earth. Any spirit that is not within a dirt body is legal. That means that when you come under demonic oppression, you can call the border patrol from heaven and you can have that sucker deported. And, and, you know, and you know what saddens me is that we have a seen trends and, and unfortunately pastors and, and church leaders, they like to follow trends when we're never supposed to follow the trend. We're supposed to be the trend and everything we do. And, and now it's almost become a trend to have this, this mass deliverance and, and to do deliverance. But when you understand your authority, when you understand who God has created you, you don't have to fight with the demon. I remember growing up in church, being a PK in the Pentecostal church and you would have people that would manifest and you would have like 20 people yelling at them and spitting in their face and people are contorting and twisting and we think they have a demon I'm like no nah, bro you just have bad breath and you're spitting on their face <laughs> I'd be twisting too be like oh he's got a demon no take a breath mint right <laughs> it, 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 things get they're crazy but if you look at the biblical pattern of Jesus, Jesus never fought with the demon. He stepped in, took authority and said, get out in the name of my, my name, right? Get out in my name. And the demon would leave. The problem is, is that you don't get a bunch of clicks and likes when you have no sensationalism. You don't get any more followers. So you have these pastors and leaders, oh, we're going to do deliverance. And, and they love all the wato, right? If you just step up and cast a demon out, nothing happens. Nobody's going to follow you. They're like, what is wato? It is the Greek word. <laughs> I'm just so biblical and theological, right? You don't get followers. But you never, ever see in Scripture anyone battling over a demon. See, the, the problem is a lot of the things that we think that are deliverance from demonic spirits is nothing more than the works of the flesh. Do you remember I said that the enemy, I said two things that almost seem oxymoronic, right? Like they're, they're in contention with each other. The two things I said is that the enemy will always attack you in your greatest area of weakness, but he will always, always attack you in the area of your greatest threat. But, but wait, how can he attack me in the greatest area of my weakness, but yet he'll attack me in the greatest area of my threat? See, what you don't understand, the greatest weapon that you have 
is not the gifts of the Spirit. It's not the anointing. It's not you speaking in other tongues. It's not with the songs that you can sing in worship. The greatest weapon you have as a believer is your body, is your flesh. And where does the enemy attack us the most? In our flesh. Why? What did Paul himself say? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the very thing that gives you and I authority, dominion to rule and to govern, is the area of our greatest weakness. Now, if you don't know that God has a sense of humor by now, then you're not reading the scripture, right? Because only God can make the greatest thing your weakest thing, right? So here we are in, in this situation. What gives us authority on the earth is our flesh. It's our body. But yet it is the area the enemy most likes to attack. So a lot of times the things that we're dealing with is not, is, is, is not demonic, are, are not demonic forces. That's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with, with weaknesses and works of the flesh, whether it be depression, oppression, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. That's not a demonic entity. Those are often a result of things that have happened to us or things that have been done to us. And those are the areas of greatest deliverances that we need from. So when you have that, that's the hard thing. So here's the problem. You can yell at somebody at a thousand decibels and they're never going to get delivered. Why? Because you don't have authority over somebody's flesh. You have authority over an evil spirit. Even they agree. Like, preach it, pastor. It's my boy Malachi. So any spirit... Without a dirt body is illegal on the earth. Now, if you don't understand this concept, then the Bible itself won't make sense to you completely, including what we know as the incarnation of Christ, right? Carnation comes from the Latin word carno. Carno means dirt. So it essentially means incarnation means a spirit entered dirt. So any spirit without a dirt body is illegal on the earth. So now you know why demons are illegal on the earth. You have authority over them. You don't have to be afraid of demons. Demons are afraid of you. But I've been in church when a demon manifests, the Christians leave. Because they're afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Demons are afraid of you. They're afraid. Why? Because they understand that they are illegal. And they understand that you're legal. So any spirit without a dirt body is illegal on the earth. So the most powerful weapon that you possess on earth is not your spirit. The most powerful weapon that you possess is your body. That is why when you lose your body, you become illegal and you have to leave the earth. That's what we call death. When this physical body dies, the spirit has to leave. I know you think grandma and grandpa are here watching you, but they're not. Abuelito, abuelita, they're not here. I'm sorry. But I saw, no, you didn't. Don't walk out of the church, please. <laughs> your compadre, your comadre, they're not here. 
no human spirit. When a body dies, the body gets returned back to the grave and the spirit has to leave. They cannot no longer legally, legally reside on the earth. But I saw them. They appeared to me. No, what you saw was a familiar spirit that was impersonating your abuelito. Now, that is a whole level of theology that you're not ready for yet. So just take my word for it. We'll get there when, on Wednesday, on, on Thursday nights, we get into Bible study. We'll get there. When we talk about angels and demons, all that. So that is why when you die, you have to leave because you, you, have, you have no more legal rights. So the most powerful weapon you have is your body. Your body is what gives you the legal right to dwell on the earth. It is your, your resident alien card, right? And, and so this is why demons are trying to enter a body. They are trying to become legal. Let me tell you, when a demon possesses a human body, a dirt body, they can wreak all kinds of havoc in a workplace, in a family, in a home. Why? Because now they have legal authority to work their ugliness and their evilness. Are you with me? Are you learning something? So that's why they, 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 they want to possess. That's why they want to take. So think about it. Why would a, a, a spirit that is not confined to any physicality or limitations that, that, that a physical body would, would, would require, why would they want to enter a body and now become confined? Why? Because they understand that the only way that they can fully function is through a legal authority and they have to possess a human body. They have to possess, possess a, a, a dirt body. So that is why when you cast them out because they have no authority and because you have a body, you have the authority. So when when God did this, now understand, this is where we kind of get into a little bit of muddy waters. When God did this, God also chose to make himself illegal on the earth. He chose to make himself. Why? What did God say? He said, let them have dominion, right? He didn't say, let us. He said, let them. Now, now, this is important. Why? Because God does not have a dirt body. He gave that to you. Then God, after that, created the law. And the law said, let them have dominion. When God speaks, every word becomes law. And God will never violate his law. Why? Because if he would violate his law, we would never be able to fully trust him. So, this is where this comes to play. How many times have you heard, when we, when we look at all of these national tragedies, right, that we have experienced just here recently in Uvalde, one of the first questions that people ask is, well, where was God? You might have asked that, well, where was God? But now you know that God, without the cooperation of man, cannot function on the earth. He needs your permission. He needs your invitation. Why? Because God gave who authority on the earth? Us. And God will not violate his law. So when you legislate God out of our schools, where do you think God's going to be? I'll give you my Luke Coulter look. My bug guys. Well, where was God? Well, where did you leave him? God, 
needs our invitation. And, and, and I've shared on, on this principle before, but never with, with this much depth so that, so that you will understand. And so you've got to realize that God, God needs a, a human. God, God needs to, to happen. So that is why nothing can happen on the earth without the cooperation of a human. That is how powerful you are. And it's sad that the enemy knows how powerful you are more than you even know. And, and so this is the way it works in my mind, you know, going back to, to the Lucha Libre days, right? Do you remember when they would have these tag team matches and you would have your, your partner in the ring and they're wrestling and you have the other guy on the outside and you have the guy that, that's in there and he's getting his butt kicked and he's getting his butt whooped and you have the guy on the outside like sticking his hand as far as he could. He's standing on the road. He's like, just tag me, just tag me, just tag me. Why? He said, because if you tag me, you're giving me legal permission to enter the ring and now I can come fight for you. And that's the way that God is. God is standing outside. God is saying, just say my name. Just say my name. You're getting your butt whipped. You're getting your butt kicked. And you're, he's there like, all you got to do is say the name of Jesus. You give me permission and I'll come in. It doesn't take a prayer for an hour. All you have to do is get in the car and say, God, I want you to drive to work with me. You get to your office. God, I want you to be at work with me. You get to your classroom. God, I want you to be in the classroom. I give you legal right to offer and function anything you want to do in my home, in my classroom, in my business, in my patrol unit, wherever I'm at, God, I'm giving you authority. All he's saying is you tag me. But there we are. God, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm getting my butt washed. But God, if you would just find it in the goodness of your heart, God, if you would just, like, just for a moment, forget about all my past and all my mistakes. And if God, if you would just, and God's like, <laughs> He's like, Tag el Santo, I'm right here. <laughs> but God, if you would just, like, I don't know, God, I know I'm not worthy. I know, God, that I don't deserve your goodness. I know I don't deserve your favor. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Christians are, are perfect. We're just forgiven. Please rip that off of your, your car if you have it. <laughs> or I'll do it for you. That gets on my nerves. Christians aren't perfect. We're just forgiven. That's what religion relegates you to. When the kingdom of God says, you are my son and you are my daughter, that you are a king and a priest, that you are a ruler, that you are a governor, that you have authority, but that you're God. But if you would just please find it, the goodness and the grace, God. And he's just, just tag me. There have been so many documented miracles that in the moment of great need and distress and danger, people just say, Jesus, and boom, he's there. You don't need a prayer for an hour. He just, you just need to say his name. Are you getting this? He just need, he, he needs your, your permission. And, and so you've got to invite him. You have to give him permission. So that is why nothing can happen on the earth without the cooperation of a human. That is how powerful you are. God himself cannot intervene on the earth without your permission and the authority that he gave you. I, I know this sounds crazy. I know this sounds unbelievable. But if you don't understand this, then that's why your prayers and your fasting is not being answered. Because you have failed to realize that he has the power 
but he's given you the authority. And what good is power without having authority? I could put a gun to my side, put a siren on my car and pull you over for speeding, which I would never do. Because God is a God of grace. I think there should be at least seven to eight miles of grace. Amen. <laughs> Especially if you're going 61 in a 33, like for real. Do you know how fast you're going? Yes, I was in the grace period. <laughs> He's a son of a police officer. <laughs> Right? Just because I have power doesn't give me authority. See, power only operates at its maximum potential when it has authority behind it. So your, your body is your badge. Your body is your badge. That is why you have the authority to call those things that aren't as though they are. So, a lot of times, we're waiting on God to do something. God, do something. God's like, I'm right here, bro. Just tag me. Let me in the game. Say my name. And it's not us waiting on God. God is waiting on, on us to do something. So, I'm going to give you five quick principles. I call these the five principles of power and authority. Number one. The legal authority to dominate, to govern the earth, was given to humans. What is a human? A spirit being in a dirt body. The legal authority, it's right there in scripture. If you can find a scripture that, that proves otherwise, let's sit down and we'll have a great theological exe exegetical discussion. And we'll test your hermeneutics. Number two. God will never violate violate the law of his word god did not include himself in the authority structure here on the earth he said let them so legal authority has been given to us number two god will never violate the law of his word he said let them have authority that's why god cannot intervene unless you invite him that's why prayer is so important that's why the bible will make you all that that's why the enemy will try to get you too busy to pray and understand it's not an hour it's just an invitation Number three, nothing will or can happen on the earth without man's cooperation. See, God wants to do miracles, but God can't do the miracle. He has the power, but he needs the cooperation of us because we have the authority. Why do you think he says to, for you to lay your hands on the sick? Why? Because on earth you have authority, but it's the, his power that flows through you to bring healing. But what does the devil do? Who do you think you are? You're not perfect. I saw you give somebody half the peace sign on the way to church. And now you're raising, lifting up holy hands. And some of you are like this because you want to lift up that finger. <laughs> Raise your hand. <laughs> Lay your hands on the sick. <laughs> so my son Malachi. 
So God created man as the legal steward on the earth. Man is God's legal regent on the earth. What is man? A human. A human is a spirit being in a, in a dirt body. So that's why God needs you. That's why God needs you to pray. That's why God needs you to prophesy. Do you remember where, when the prophet Ezekiel was standing in Ezekiel chapter 32? The Bible says that God took him to this valley of dry bones and he asked Ezekiel, Ezekiel, will these bones live? And what does Ezekiel say? God, only you know. Only you know. And what does God say? Son, man, prophesy. I've got the power, but you've got the authority. And he stands there and he speaks to this valley of dry bones, which historically speaking was the place of a great battle where a lot of, a lot of, a lot of God's people died. And he was raising up an army. And he began to prophesy. That's why God needs you to pray. That's why God needs you here on the earth so that he can keep working. That's why Matthew 18, 19 says, I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on the earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. See, if you stop prophesying, if you stop petitioning, if you stop praying, then that's when God stops working in your life. I love what Dr. Miles Monroe says. He says, prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference. It is you giving God the ability, the invitation to intervene in your family, in your home, in your marriage, in your life, in your health, in your finances, in your business. You've got to invite him in. Number four, mankind holds the license of authority on earth. We know that God has the power, but you and I have the authority. Only spirits in a physical body are legal on the earth. So any spirit without a dirt body is illegal on the earth, and that includes God himself are you with me number five we're going to close with this any supernatural influence on the earth is only legal through humus man or human any supernatural influence on earth is only legal through a human a spirit being in a dirt body so let's go to the beginning God created Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3, puts them in the Garden of Eden, a paradise, a perfect place. He creates them to be completely immortal. Satan shows up. He tries to get her to doubt God's word. And then he infects her with inadequacy, saying, if you eat this, God doesn't want you to eat this because he knows that when you do, then you'll be like God. But remember that God already made them like him. He said, let us make them in our own image, in our own likeness. He was trying to get them to doubt what God had already done in them. Do you know that every time you hear one of God's promises or somebody prophesies or speaks a word of your purpose, of your potential, that is God telling you, I already put that in you. And as soon as you get up, the devil's like, well, I don't think he really meant that. I don't think he really meant that. Look at you. Look at what you've done. Look at where you've been. Look at your, your, your failures, your mistakes. And right away, what does the devil do? He gets you to doubt what God 
has already put in you. So there was Eve. She was about to eat that apple covered in chamoy. That's the Brian C. Snettles version. Why did God not interfere? Why, why didn't he come down and be like, no, no, please don't know. You're going to mess it all up. You, you don't know what's going to happen if, if you make that decision, if you, if you fall to this temptation. No, no. Why did he not? Because he couldn't. He was illegal. He had established his law. He said that only spirit beings in a dirt body have legal authority. So there God was. He was hoping that Eve at some point would look up and say, Elohim, should I do this or not? Help me. But she never did. So St. Lucifer is also a spirit being, which means he is also an illegal. And yet he wants to do his thing here on the earth, so he needs a body. So what does he do? He goes and he negotiates with a serpent and asks him for permission to usurp his body. And the serpent allowed Satan to use his body. And what happened? Genesis 3.1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree, from any of the trees in the garden? That word shrewd means having or shown sharp powers or judgment or a suit. Well, you've got to realize that what you see as a serpent today was not how God originally created them. Satan asked for permission and the serpent, I know you probably never heard that in Sunday school, right? Just bear with me. I'm going to prove it to you. Genesis 3.14. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have what? The serpent made a choice. He allowed himself. He was shrewd. He was astute. He had some level of reason. He allowed the enemy to come in and, and, and usurp his body and use him. He said, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild, and you will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. See, Satan also needed a dirt body. And there was the scene. God's supreme creation was about to fall, and yet God did not get involved. He stood back. Not because he was weak, not because he is not powerful, not because he's not omnipotent or omniscient, but because he is too faithful to his word. God is faithful to his word. You can, in fact, you can even say that, that the fall of man was because of God's faithfulness. And you know what? The devil knew all of this. He knew that God would never break his word. And when he heard God say, let them have dominion, the enemy put his plan into action. He knew that God would not intervene. And the whole human race at that moment collapsed. It was at that moment we declared our independence from the kingdom of heaven. And now we became a colony without a king or a kingdom. We lost our father. We lost our government. We lost our intimacy with God, our identity in God, and our influence on the earth. In fact, the Bible even tells us that the Holy Spirit had to leave. Genesis 6.3, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. See, the Holy Spirit is a spirit and he needs a body. There is no incident in the Old Testament 
where the Holy Spirit lived in a human. Why? Because it was still illegal. If you notice when it talks about Samson or even the prophets, it always says that the Spirit of God came what? Came upon him. Right? It came upon them. Then they would prophesy. But then the Spirit would have to leave. Why? Because the body, God's given authority, became contaminated. He could not stay on the earth. In Genesis 3, it all falls apart. But Satan forgot that God could still talk. So in verse 14, God begins to talk to Satan. And in verse 15, God makes Satan a promise. In Genesis 3.15, it says, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Essentially, God is telling Satan, You think you're slick. You think you've got it all worked out. You knew that I could not intervene. But I'm about to make you a promise that that same woman that you used to mess this up, I will one day give me a body and I will come in legally and I will crush your head and that was the promise now you know why God had to become a man in fact the entire Old Testament is a repetition of God's promise or God's threat to Satan you better watch out because I'm coming I'm coming I'm coming then we get to the prophet Isaiah and we get a little more detail and it says and a virgin will conceive and bring forth a son and his name shall be Emmanuel you know that word Emmanuel means Im means in Man means mankind, and El means Elohim. It means God inside a man's body. It's all about the promise that he was coming back. See, a lot of we don't understand. Most people don't understand. Why did the Son of God, part of Elohim, the Godhead, why did he have to be born as a man? Because only a man could take back what a man lost. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. It says, Unto you a child will be born. If you notice, it doesn't say a son. Because the son is never born. Why? Because the son always existed. John 1, 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Right? The son always existed. It said, A child will be born, but a son is what? given see a lot of people confuse the child with the son thank you so I, I hate to break your theology but Mary is not the mother of the son pero es la madre de Dios uh -uh. Mary's not the mother of the son she's the mother of the child the child was born, but the son was given. But I thought she was the mother of God. No, she's the mother of the son. The child, thank you. She's the mother of the child, not the son. The son is never born. It says a child will be born. But the son will be given. See, the child will be the dirt body, but the son is Elohim Jehovah. The child is what will make the son legal. That's why then 4,000 years later, it says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, 
the angel said to Mary, you shall conceive a child and bear a son. You shall call the child Jesus, which means Yeshua, Savior. She named the child, but not the son. Why? Because the son already had a name. His name is Christ. See, some of you think that Christ is Jesus' middle name. You're like, it's not, Pastor? It's not Chewy Christ? No. Christ is not his middle name. Jesus Christ is defining his humanity and his divinity all in the same being. So she named, if you notice, we call him Jesus Christ. But the angel didn't tell Mary, and you shall call him Jesus, and his middle name will be Christ. She says, you will call him Jesus. So she named the child, but not the son, because the son already had a name. His name is Christ. That was the body, and Jesus is what made the Christ legal. So Jesus was 100% man, and Christ was 100% God. That's why we have Jesus Christ. So remember I said that the, the spiritual world is, is legalistic. That's why the Bible says that you have to declare in whose name? Why? Why don't you say in Christ's name? Huh? Because that's the body. El nombre de Cristo. No, that don't mean it. El nombre de Jesús. Why? Because Jesus has the authority. But I thought it was his middle name. So Jesus comes along. And the devil didn't know what to do. God entered the human race legally. And the devil was all freaked out. He knew it happened somewhere. But he didn't know where, and that's why he tried to kill all of the Hebrew children, all the Hebrew boys, two years and under, because God entered human race legally. And that is why God could not interfere even when Eve was about to eat of the fruit. He was protecting his integrity. And that's why God needs you, because you have a body. And God needs you to do anything on the earth. In fact, I'm going to close with this. In John chapter 5, the Bible says that Jesus was preaching and doing all kinds of miracles. In fact, it is in John chapter 5 where Jesus shows up to the pool of Bethesda. And he finds this paralytic man that had been paralyzed for 38 years. Right? And it was the Sabbath day, which means all good Jewish people didn't do any kind of work. And so now Jesus is in trouble because he healed, like he didn't do nothing. He just told the dude, get up and walk. And they considered that a work. And so now the religious leaders come to him. If you notice, what did they ask? They asked him, by what authority do you do this? 
They didn't ask by what power. They said, by what authority are you doing this? And Jesus answered, I only do what I see my father do. Who is Jesus? A human man with God on the inside. So now he is God in a legal body. And he says, I only do what I see him do. In other words, God thinks it and I manifest it. He then says, you haven't seen anything yet. He says, the time is coming when you will see the son of man in all of his glory. So there are two words or two terms that Jesus used to define himself. One is the son of God and the other was the son of man. See, the son of God is the God side of me and the son of man is the human side and it is the human side that makes the God side legal. So when they asked him by what authority, the authority is in the human side. He said, the reason I can do these miracles is not because I'm the son of God. I do these miracles because I'm the son of man. I have the authority to do it. I have the body. That is why he says later on that everything that you've seen me do and greater you can do. Why? Because you have the same authority and access to the same power. John 5, 26 and 27, he says, For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave the Son also to have life in himself. He was talking about his divinity. Verse 27, And has given him authority to execute judgment also. Why? Not because he's the Son of God. Why does he have authority on the earth? Because he's the Son of Man. See, what you don't realize is that what makes you dangerous is your body. That's why the devil's always trying to corrupt the flesh. That's why the devil's always trying to infect you with inadequacy because he knows that the, the thing that makes you the greatest threat is the area of your greatest weakness. God needs your body. In fact, that's why we have healing. Why did God provide for healing on the cross? Let me tell you, healing is not for heaven. Healing is for here. Healing is for now. Why? Because God needs your body healthy and whole. Because it is your body that gives you authority. When you understand that, now when you pray for healing, now you're praying with understanding. God, you better heal me because you need me to do something still. You need me to go and take dominion. You need me to prophesy. You need me to declare your word. That is why you need to heal me, God. I need my badge. I need my body. Because it is my body that gives me authority. Remember, God is our, Jesus is our model. He's, he, he's our, he's our, he's our sign. Now fast forward to Acts chapter one, verse eight. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What was Jesus? He was a hundred percent man with a hundred percent God on the inside. When you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, now you are a hundred percent man with a hundred percent God on the inside. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just some sectarian form of doctrine. No. It's the fulfillment of God using your authority and converging it with his power. That's why he said, and you will have power. He didn't say you have authority. Why? Because you already had it. You don't need the authority. He said, I'm going to send you my spirit 
So now you can take the authority I've given you and now you have access to my power. So that is why you can stand and call those things that aren't as though they are. Because now you have your authority and you have his power. That's what makes you the most powerful and dangerous creature on this earth because you have authority combined with God's power. Will you stand? I know you're disappointed. Done already? God needs you. Say, God, you need to heal me. I can't be sick. I can't be feeble. I can't be weak because this is my badge. This is my authority. This is what allows me to do your will here on the earth. Did y'all learn something today? Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for your revelation, for your insight. God, thank you for the access to your power. God, you put it in us, not because we're worthy, not because we're perfect. God, because you need to utilize our authority so that we can do your will. We can do your work. We can manifest your power and your presence through signs and wonders and miracles in the supernatural, God. The naturalness of heaven coming down to this earth. God, and I pray today that if there's anyone that is sick in body or know somebody that is sick in body, God, I pray today, Lord God, that you would bring divine healing, God. God, that we would act as your regents, as your envoys, envoys uh, uh, official ambassadors of the government of the kingdom of God here on the earth, imbued with your power and standing on our authority. And we speak healing right now just like we've seen God and we've said we've seen metal plates dissolve we've seen cancer disappear God I speak to sickness and illness right now and I take authority in the name of Jesus the authority in the name of Jesus and I declare healing to everybody in Jesus name Thank you for joining us, and a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.